Welcome to The Complete Angler, your source of information on the outdoor industry in central Canada. With over 35 years in the field, host Don Lamont covers topics and issues with industry leaders and influencers to bring you up to speed on what's happening in the outdoor world. And now, here's your host, Don Lamont. Concerns are mounting over the state of Canada's Northern Air Services. These are in whole or in part due to new regulations from Transport Canada that significantly limit pilot duty time. Aircraft operating under the 703 designation, which includes air taxis, are facing severe impacts. The new regulations are vastly reducing availability of air services. This is limiting essential and even critical transport of people, goods and services to remote communities and facilities. There are also concerns of reduced safety and well-being of pilots and passengers. Mark Holmes is a consultant spearheading a consortium of stakeholders trying to get the new rules put on hold. Hey, Mark, welcome to the Complete Angler Podcast. Hey, thanks, Don. Glad to be here. Well, we kind of ran into each other on a on a big Zoom conference call uh, to do with a very important uh, issue and to do with the man to do with the lodging outfitters and the airline industry in in Canada. But first, um, a little background. We got talking, and I found out that uh, we have a very similar background. Now, you were at one time produced the Angler and Hunter TV show, and you were also uh, the editor of the magazine, Mark. Uh, not the editor, but certainly uh, a coordinator, I'll call it. Uh, we did a number of publications uh, through the Ontario Federation of Anglers and Hunters, uh, newsletters, uh, uh, briefing notes, that sort of, sort of thing. And But I did work very closely with uh, with the folks at uh, Ontario Outdoors and was a regular contributor. Now, your background has always been sort of in policy, has it not? Uh, well, it started. I started off as a journalist. Uh, I guess that's where I cut my teeth on a lot of the issues that, uh, quite frankly, are still around today. Uh, but I uh, ended up following my passion for the outdoors uh, and moved uh, out of journalism into advocacy work with the uh, Federation of Anglers and Hunters. Uh, that's uh, led me to a, a, a next step, which was actually to figure out how government works, or in some cases, how it doesn't work. Uh, through uh, a tenure with the uh, Ontario government uh, serving in northern development and mines. Uh, and from there, uh, I really uh, zeroed in focusing on uh, resources, resource management, resource uh, sustainability, and uh, that's rounded up my career till now. That's kind of how we met. We uh, were on, a, as I mentioned, that Zoom call to do with a new regulation Transport Canada put in entitled 703. Uh, maybe you can explain a bit what, what is going on in the last little bit with this new new regulations coming in place. Well, Don, uh, to be perfectly honest, I'm still trying to figure it all out myself. But uh, what we do know is that uh, these uh, they're they're duty time regulations. They're they're fairly newly introduced. Uh, the government uh, shortly after uh, uh, the Trudeau government was elected. They they chose to to make some changes. Uh, they were in the works uh, for quite some time, but uh, only started being implemented about uh, about 2020. So 
different aircraft, depending on what they're being used for and uh, their size and, and configuration are, are categorized in uh, 702, 703, 704, 705. Uh, 705 being the uh, the big passenger airline type aircraft, uh, heavy lift uh, transport, stuff like that. And the one that we're probably going to be talking most about today is a designation of 703, uh, the air taxis, uh, the ones that are uh, shuttling people and goods uh, from uh, established highway-based communities into the, the remote communities that are only serviced by air or perhaps part of the year by ice road. But uh, generally those are the, the workhorse aircraft that uh, do everything from uh, delivering uh, folks to uh, recreational, remote recreational lodges, fishing camps, hunt camps, uh, to the uh, movement of uh, social services, medical folks, uh, judiciary into those remote communities, as well as uh, that's how they get their groceries. That's how they get their supplies uh, often uh, come in through those 703 designated aircraft. So how did these regulations change the way it was before? So in the past, uh, generally speaking, and again, I'm not an expert, so I'm really sort of paraphrasing things, but uh, they would Come on, it, their duty time would be their time in the aircraft and perhaps some briefing uh, pre or post flight. Uh, there was uh, a format for uh, time off. Uh, the regulations were working quite well, but uh, some new science, quote science, was introduced uh, that uh, encouraged the government to come out with these anti-fatigue regulations. And uh, please don't get me wrong, uh, I don't think anybody wants to to be flying with uh, a, an overly tired or sleepy pilot. Uh, but the regulations, I think, really missed the boat in a, a lot of ways and maybe causing their own safety concerns in other ways, which we'll get into in a little bit, I'm sure, Don. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and that's it in a nutshell. These Pilots now are really restricted on when they can fly, uh, when they can start to fly. Uh, a lot of cases, uh, we've been told by the air service providers, they usually would start their day at 6.30 a.m. or 6 a.m. Uh, and they'd put in, put in a full day. Uh, these days, uh, because of the circadian rhythm rule, uh, I'll call it that, uh, just they can't start flying until 7.30 in the morning. And uh, these new regulations, when you start to look at uh, just the way that uh, nature can be, you get or you have mechanical issues, fog rolls in for a couple hours, the clock is ticking on these pilots while they're sitting there waiting to uh, to do their flights. And uh, all of that being said, uh, everybody can complain about regulations, but uh, the really complicating factor in behind this is that Canada uh, has been enduring a pilot shortage for a number of years. Uh, I've read some uh, studies that say that there is a gap of 7,000 pilots in Canada. That's how many jobs could be filled instantly if they were available. So these new regulations have come in uh, with very little consultation and very little contemplation of the pilot shortage and what that ends up doing is just exacerbating a real, already very bad situation that follows an even worse situation, which was the pandemic. 
so a lot of these companies are really on their heels right now, and uh, we're hoping that Transport Canada will see see their way to uh, take some uh, time to uh, suspend some of these regulations, uh, consult properly, and uh, provide some alternatives that might make things work a bit better under the current circumstance. What impressed me on that Zoom call as I was there representing the Manitoba Lodge and Outfitters as their new executive director was the uh, wealth of knowledge and the participation from coast to coast of people who are really upset about this. Yeah, it's, uh, I think we can call it almost universal, Don. Uh, our first call, uh, we had representation from BC, Alberta, Northwest Territories, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, Quebec, uh, Newfoundland, and Labrador. Uh, so that's uh, that's coast to coast. Uh, and over the course of the last month and a half, uh, the numbers have just grown. Uh, so we've got the uh, National Air Transport Association, NADA, on board. Uh, they're just a wealth of knowledge. Uh, they've been working at this for a number of years and uh, are continuing uh, to try to get some uh, sanity injected into the system. Uh, we've got the Helicopter Association of Canada, uh, also really knowledgeable. Uh, and uh, many people might not know that uh, uh, helicopters are almost as common as fixed wing aircraft in, in serving uh, uh, northern communities and northern uh, yeah, ind industry and development. So uh, they're they're feeling the same pain. And uh, aside from that, we've got the uh, the air carriers themselves. Uh, these are the guys that uh, live it every day. And uh, and then behind the the air carriers are all the stakeholders, the communities, uh, the uh, industry. Uh, mining is particularly hard hit because they often operate in remote camps. Uh, agriculture, uh, spraying of crops, uh, you know, whether it's pesticides or are uh, fertilizing that sort of thing they're affected by these regulations and uh yeah the dominoes keep tipping there's uh just the, the effects are uh, very far reaching now there there's a there's a real human uh, uh part of this because the northern communities rely on air service for goods and and they are the costs are going through the roof are they not yeah, so I've seen, uh, you know, anecdotally from from the operators, every single one of them sees cost increases. Uh, they're because of the regulations, they're forced to to hire more pilots, uh, and but the problem is they can't find the pilots. And when they do find them, uh, the the salaries and and accommodations are anywhere from fifty thousand uh, dollars a season on up. Uh, and uh, or if they can't find the pilots, uh, they're grounding planes, which means less available planes and the ones that are in the air, they have to charge more. Uh, so what you're really seeing is uh, I heard one number, I read one number uh, in some of the government's own uh, uh, information that uh, the cost could could rise as much as 40 percent through the new regs, uh, which <laughs> based on an already really expensive endeavor if anybody's tried to fly in the north uh that's yeah that's going to be some sticker shock for sure
you've been trying to get a hold of Transport Canada with uh, little success. So what are some of the next steps uh, for this organization? And, you know, I must mention, you're the head of the lobby group, but we have the whole of Canada behind you. Well, thanks, Don. Uh, I'm not sure it's quite yet the whole of Canada, but certainly uh, a large uh, chunk of the, the northern folks are behind it. Uh, and what's next? It, it's, it, I got to say, it's a little astounding that something of this much importance, and we certainly have highlighted to, uh, to the ministry and the minister himself, uh, you know, the, the time sensitivity here and, and the impacts. Uh, that we would get a response in, in good time that that hasn't happened. Uh, but we don't feel alone in that. And because as we've surveyed uh, both the air, air service providers and, and the stakeholders, they also have, in some cases for months or even years, been trying to uh, to work with Transport Canada and, and they, they have heard very little or absolutely nothing. So, uh, the response is is a bit concerning, or the lack of response, I should say. And uh, so, I guess from here on in, it's it's really about bringing attention uh, in the right ways and constructive ways uh, to how this is is impacting Canadians uh, on a daily basis, disrupting lives, uh, driving up costs, and and in some cases maybe having the reverse effect that the the new regulations were intended to uh, to protect against. Which is the safety of the pilots. That's correct, yeah. So uh, some of the things that have been cited to me from, from the air carriers is that uh, pilots are required to, uh, they can only work so many days a week and then they have to have a day off. Uh, most pilots, uh, they don't live uh, in the north. They, they have family and, and, and lives elsewhere. So they like to have three or four days off at a time so that they can visit or be with their families and, and uh, live their lives, uh, wherever those may be. And now they're limited to one day and then they're gonna try to pack in, you know, I'm gonna get myself out, I gotta go see my family really quick and then I gotta be back in a day. I don't think that's resting anybody. <laughs> uh, certainly not the pilots that are gonna try to cram their life into to one day off uh, in order to get back, fulfill their duties and, and uh, uh, earn, earn a living wage. What would be a short-term solution, Mark? Well, what we've asked uh, the minister and uh, the, the ministry to, to consider is uh, an immediate deferral or exemption for 703 aircraft. Uh, those are the ones that we've been talking. Those are our representatives on the coalition for the most part. So we're focused on that. Uh, certainly, the larger national associations are, are asking similar uh, requests of, of the government for other aircraft designations, uh, but they're they're really finding it challenging. Uh, and I'll give one example of, of how challenging it's been. So there's a company called uh, Pulsar Informatics. Uh, Pulsar. Uh, does a lot of science uh, on uh, fatigue syndrome, fatigue effects. Uh, and in fact, a lot of the science that they've done was used by Transport Canada in developing its regulations. And I have in front of me a December 2019 letter to the government. And I'll quote here saying that uh, 
we've written this letter to detail a number of implementational challenges that we've identified during the performance of our contract to prepare example safety case materials for Transport Canada. So even the company that did the science is telling the government, yeah, might not have got all this completely right, or there's some challenges in the way that it's being uh, represented, um, put together. So, uh, yeah, we're. I think we're in for a bit of a challenge here. The uh, the Ministry of Transport. I, I think again, fairly, they're uh, trying to do the right thing. They're they're focused on the safety elements, uh, and they might not be seeing or or recognizing that uh, what they put in place is uh, not a one size fits all, uh, and that uh, it's not being implemented in the context of a pilot shortage and uh, an entire industry that's coming off uh, a really devastating period of three years of pandemic. Yeah, so it just really boils down to a matter of opening the dialogue and listening listening to the stakeholder groups about how everybody can benefit. Yeah, um, and again, I, I want to be clear, uh, nobody is opposed to Say good safety regulations uh, and processes. Uh, air travel is uh, very common today, and, and we want it to be as safe as it possibly can be. Uh, but we also want uh, our agencies, our regulatory agencies, to uh, to get it right and do it in consultation with the people providing the services and the people that need the services, the, the stakeholders. And uh, that's, that's a big piece. And uh, again, we fully understand that, you know, in the pandemic, uh, there were certainly some challenges in, in following the normal processes that government would follow. Uh, and we're just asking them to go back, follow those processes, listen to the uh, service providers and make the necessary changes to uh, to keep us all safe and keep us all working uh, and, uh, and whole financially. What you've done already, uh, Mark, is you've sent out a survey to all the operators and all the people affected by this. And I, I understand you're just starting to get the responses now? Yeah, we've uh, got quite a few and, and more coming in every day. Uh, it, these are, in some ways, it's you know just classifying who's doing what and what their challenges are, but uh, they're really quite impactful in terms of the, what they're seeing on the ground, how it's affecting them day to day. Uh, some of what we've already talked about, you know, somebody's worked all of their lives to build up a business uh, that is critical to a lot of communities and industries and business in the north. And uh, I would say through through these regulations and, and some other circumstances, they're watching that lifelong investment uh, diminish. Uh, and, I, and I think that's really something that uh, is unfortunate on so many different levels and uh, it affects so many people. People in the north, in those remote communities, uh, they're already pretty challenged in terms of uh, costs to, uh, to get uh, materials and goods and people and services into those communities. Uh, I'd even go so far as to say there's quite a bit of disparity between uh, a remote community in the north and uh, a community that's connected by road, rail, or or other means uh, in the south, and we don't want to be. We should be trying to to find more quality uh, to to make sure those communities are on an an even keel with 
with their southern uh, counterparts, and uh, this is not helping do that. It's actually making things worse. So if I'm one of those people that is affected by this new regulation, what should I do? How, who should I get a hold of? Uh, what are the next steps for me to order to be heard? Well, uh, we would certainly encourage people to reach out to their uh, elected officials federally and provincially. Uh, most people know who their MP or MPP is or, or MLA, as the case may be. Uh, reach out to them. Tell them uh, what the that uh, we're all feeling these impacts and uh, that we need to have some changes made. And we're not upsetting the apple cart here. Uh, nobody intends to do that. Nobody wants to do that. It's about doing the right thing in the right way. And uh, that's what we need people to be talking to their elected officials about so that they, in turn, uh, can approach uh, their governing bodies and and request those, you know that that we what we've asked for, stop stop the uh, or exempt the regu the new regulations for the time being. Do the work that should have been done beforehand, and uh, bring in the rules and regulations that work to achieve both the safety and the human factor here. Well said, Mark. I uh, want to really appreciate you having you on the show. Uh, anything, last words you want to say before uh, we sign off? You know, Don, I really appreciate you uh, putting this out to, to your uh, listeners. Uh, this is an issue that uh, might not be on everybody's radar screen. And yes, the pun is intended there. Mm -hmm. uh, but it will uh, increase in impact as time goes on. And uh, it's just one of those things, if we all work together, uh, I think we can make a big difference here. And uh, and that would be my word out to your listeners and, and to, to anybody that's interested. Um, please uh, take interest, take control of, of what we can take control of, and let's make changes for the better. Great. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Mark. Most welcome. Thank you, Don. Thanks for tuning in. Visit hookedmagazine.com to subscribe to The Complete Angler and never miss an episode.